Hello and welcome to another episode of The Coder Career. My name is Cameron Blackwood and today I am joined by Josh Brearley. This is a very special episode because I thought I was one of a kind. I thought I was the only former tech recruiter to become a software engineer, but not so. Josh has also done the same journey. Josh has spent the majority of his career in the northwest of England working as both a tech recruiter and now a software engineer specializing in the front end. Josh joins today to discuss his experience of leaving technical recruitment, the value he's gathered from it, and why he chose to take on a career in software engineering. Whether you're a recruiter looking to get out of that world yourself, or if you're a software engineer looking to break into the industry, this could be the episode for you. Before we get started, please do check out my YouTube channel. I'm trying to upload on there more recently. And also as well, do check out our Discord server. There's a friendly bunch in there. Enjoy the show. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Not so bad, mate. Not so bad. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, I was very excited when I realized your your backstory. Obviously, you're, you're someone that chats on our Discord community quite a bit. So I already knew who you were. And then we got in a conversation and I was like, hold on a minute, you used to be a recruiter as well. And I hadn't picked up on that at all. Uh, so as soon as you mentioned that, I thought we need to actually have a conversation because there's a very, very small community of us people that worked in tech recruitment and then moved on for whatever reason um, to actually become the developers ourselves. So um, yeah, for people who aren't familiar with you, either from the Discord or, or LinkedIn or somewhere like that, do you want to explain, I guess I've given people the headline, um, but do you want to say a bit about who you are and what led you to this point? Yeah, so my name's Josh. I initially went to university and did um, business management. So it was completely away from tech. It kind of a bit of a difference from when I was a kid. I used to be tinkering around with a lot of tech, just kind of more private server-based stuff. So like RuneScape private servers and things like that, making forums and things, nothing too code intensive. It was just like maybe editing like strings here and there to change certain things or Boolean values and things like that. Um, so then when I went to university, I kind of was like, well, I don't really know what I want to do. Um, so I kind of took a course that was like, right, I'll keep as many doors open as I could. Um, so I took business management at, in Manchester and um, I enjoyed it. And so when I came out, I was like, right, OK, what do I want to do? And then I came across a role from um, a company called Maxwell Bond in Manchester. And it was like something to do with tech recruitment and sales and things like that. And I thought, well, why not try and get involved in that? So I went and spoke to their owner. So um, Stephen Jagger and we had a it was a decent chat at the interview, to be fair. And I thought it would be it would be something that I would I would enjoy getting into and, and to be fair I did for the first let's say four or five months it was you're learning loads of new skills when you come out of university so much stuff that I hadn't learned about business because it was generally quite a small startup when I joined um so you got to see behind the curtain and learn quite a lot of things that you wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to if you was to join a large a large company so yeah, it was good. And then probably around the five or six month mark, I, I probably started to realize like the pressure of, of recruitment, as you know yourself, it gets it gets quite intense and kind of expectations on you not wanting to let people down and then trying to double question yourself if your pipeline goes dry or someone doesn't turn up to an interview. And there's so many loopholes that can, that can kind of... Uh, Bite, bite you kind of thing the things that living with so much well, stuff so. that's out of your control is just so hard i think that's why i couldn't deal with it just literally having so many factors outside of your own control um because at least in sales like the product you're selling doesn't have a mind of its own <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and 
there'd be times where you, you'd kind of be expecting um, someone to get a job or you're like, right, they're perfect for the role. And for one reason or other, they wouldn't turn up. They'd get a counter offer. The offer wouldn't be enough or you couldn't pair them with somewhere that was um, looking for, for them in time before they got snapped up. So it was very fast paced, very kind of high pressure. And I think for someone with a personal, personality like myself, it, it probably wasn't the best fit, but I didn't really know at the time. I was just like, right, I'm going to try and make this work no matter what. Um, but it was also quite a hard journey as well as doing like an hour in travel in the morning, get to the office for like 8am. And then like in the evenings, it was, it was getting to a point where I was like, is it worth the money kind of thing? Or am I happy in this role? Um, so uh, Jagger actually sat me down. Uh, Stephen Jagger sat me down and was just like, are you, is this what you want? And like, it, I hadn't really asked myself that question because I was kind of so caught up in trying, like, where's the next deal coming from? What What's the pipeline looking like? Like, how am I going to try and keep the job kind of thing? Because there wasn't ever pressure to like say, oh, you're going to lose the job, but it, you put that on yourself essentially, don't you? Like, you know, if you're not performing, there's going to be questions asked of you and, and things like that. So yeah, he, we had that meeting and I just, I'd already had a pint about maybe three days prior with uh, one of my best mates. And he was like, I'm thinking about going into coding, you know? And I was kind of, I was kind of like, could I do that? Could I not do that? And then I kind of thought, well, it was, it was a moment where I was like, when, when we were in that meeting, going back to Maxwell Bond, I was like, you know, when you just pull the trigger on an idea in your head and you're like, right, I'm going for it. So I just, I left that day um, and got back home and it in fairness, it, it was like a huge weight had been lifted, you know, like the responsibility of trying to trying to like do it all kind of got lifted. And then it was like, right, okay, this is the next mountain that I want to climb. I didn't even know what like a variable was or anything. I'd never really looked into it. I just thought, right, okay, boot camps exist. And I was very lucky that um, Stephen put me in touch with a guy from the boot camp that I went to, which is Code Nation. So there was... Um, a dialogue between us and then a decision was made that I would start but it was during COVID so it was quite volatile that it was I'd maybe done two or three weeks and then it was like all right lockdown so it all became online um so I was like right I'm struggling struggling to understand this code stuff because it was so overwhelming at, at the start not just like you're kind of dealing with the emotions of not knowing what COVID was at the time as well so I was like you, you go through a massive kind of realization like can I do this like is it possible and then like imposter syndrome kicks in and it's there's that kind of element to it but I just carried on carried on carried on I got a few uh, part-time jobs to tide me over work for the NHS at the time did a bit of caring like end of life caring to kind of just get the bills paid essentially like pay my car and whatnot and uh, just carried on that way really and just kept the belief that eventually I will get it like it was just kind of I had no other option and I think that was probably one of the best things for me at the time it was like right I don't have like a if I, I didn't have the feeling like right okay if I if I can't do this what can I do it was right this is what I'm gonna do eventually doesn't matter how long it's gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna try um but how how, how was your journey from was yours similar or different or Similar-ish. It sounds like you had a much more of a peaceful exit from the recruitment world uh, than me. So funnily enough, our story is literally weirdly the same to the point of I did business management as well at uni. Didn't go to the same uni, but, um, you know, I, I, I... 
I, I studied business management again, thought it would be a good way of knowing that I would have, um, you know, multiple doors open. And then I went and went into recruitment and I was so annoyed by how like the whole, I worked for quite in the euphemism would be a, a old school <laughs> agency. Um, and the culture annoyed me so much and the way people behaved so uh, annoyed me so much. Uh, that I actually joined a startup um, on the sales side uh, that was trying to basically t- take the traditional recruitment model out of existence um, and basically be the smart recruitment agency of the future. So uh, there, I've still, you know, I still talk to them all the time. Talent IO, the company that I joined, and whilst working there, because they were a uh, they were a software as a service company essentially. So they had a they had a dev team, and I got to know the dev team well. I was pretty inspired by what they were working on, and. Um, you know, it became one of those things where they were very flexible in general. And that it was pretty much an open secret um, after a while that I, I wanted to be a dev at that company. And they were really, really supportive. And like I, I was able to learn um, fairly easily during my lunch breaks and stuff. And they didn't mind me using my computer for coding and, and everything like that. So um, for me, I, I realized that I had to dedicate some more time to it. So similar to you. I um I quit and then I went and took on contract jobs, uh, just internal recruitment jobs basically, um, on a day rate. And then I have a weird story where I basically negotiated uh, a day rate contract where for four days a week I would be recruiting, one day a week coding. So that was how I got my first kind of step into the industry. And yeah, that that's been the same way ever since. I mean, I actually think I. I uh, I can't think of the right word for it, but I, I dithered almost a bit too long um, where I was quite good at coding, but I needed that extra push. Um, and I didn't really, I, I, I kind of, I was in the doldrums, I guess is the right word, where I knew probably 80% of what was required to get a job. I probably knew that for about six months and didn't really progress much. So um, I think all in all, yeah, it took me like two years, I reckon, to break into tech in the end. I was my similar is almost identical to that so like my my situation it was like it got to around this time last year actually so December last year and you can't really quantify how much you know you don't really know do you so you're like am I ready am I not ready I think if I had to when I was having an honest chat with myself I was like I probably aren't ready um to, to make a start as of yet just like Java, basic JavaScript knowledge and, and stuff like that, it wasn't up to what I would deem job ready. Um, in comparison to what I'd seen, you know, like juniors trying to break into the market when we were in recruitment and stuff like that. So um, I wasn't actively looking. I always thought, right, okay, it'd be good to lean on my LinkedIn, carry on connecting with people, building it up from there. Um, and I'd done a few like articles and, and a podcast or something like that while I was there to try and like grow that out to a certain extent. And then I got a message around, must've been start of December, late November, maybe last year um, from Bloom, who is, they're basically a very small startup that do like um, health tech. And they were like, uh, we'd like to interview you. Um, you seem like you've got this skill set. And at the time, at first I genuinely just thought it was a scam. I was like, this is like <laughs> me, like me, why, like kind of thing. But um, as you do, you just kind of like, you know, I had a chat with one of the guys a little bit more 
Um, and then they brought me in for like a, I say brought me in, it was completely remote. So it was like I'd, I had an interview. So it was just like a one, one to two kind of Zoom call. Um, and they were going through like what their expectations were and stuff and like what I'd done in the past. And they kind of wanted a little bit of advice on like their recruitment tactics and what they were doing on, and how they were strate- strategically trying to bring people in. And they thought I could help with that. So then it was kind of agreed that I would help them with that as well as doing dev work. So like when we agreed on that, I was like, right, okay, I'll go in there. But then like in the first month, I kind of felt like I was almost like an internal dev because they were coming to me with a lot, uh, internal recruiter, should I say. Um, they were coming to me with a lot of recruitment questions and one of my friends was he was taking the mick out of me he was like you've just moved from recruitment into internal recruitment like, it, and it was like it was a joke from what he was saying but it was like he was grinding on me because I was like oh this is like this isn't what I want you know like going back through your LinkedIn recruiter they put me on a seat in there and stuff and like, oh really well, right, that yeah i've been asking yeah, like, for advice but yeah they've never yeah, gone as far yeah, as yeah, give yeah. me a linkedin recruiter account yeah yeah so, so i didn't i didn't mind because i'd gone from earning maybe 450 less maybe even less a month like working as a carer because it was so little money and mm. to like a, a decent I, I wouldn't say it was it, it was okay <laughs> you could get by on it i was like right okay it's not high pressure they're not coming to me and saying what you found what you found what you found but it, it was kind of like am I stunting my growth here by accepting this and not trying to apply elsewhere so about a month in we sorted out the strategy for uh, how they were going to try and bring people in I had a few meetings with them we tried to bring uh, recruitment partnerships on that unfortunately fell through because I don't know if they had the funds or kind of if that's the way that they wanted to move towards because I think they were um, like they weren't cash rich at the time so it was just trying to work out what the best scenario was for them. And then it come to a point where I was about two months in and I was like, look, this, like, this really needs for me to be happy. I need to be focusing on the dev work. And that was what it was. Cause it, it was only one day a week, and I, but it was like, it kind of pulled me away mentally of like, right. Okay. I'm a dev. Do you know what I mean? You kind of need that like assurance, like when you, when you're working on stuff and you're trying to learn stuff. But luckily for me, I, I had, um, a guy called Micah and he was a CTO at the time. He's since left, but he was, he was there for my duration and he, he was fantastic as a mentor. And we went through a lot in terms of this is how we do things. This is how I do things. And he was very humble in the, in the sense that he was open to um, someone being quite junior. And he, he was used to training juniors where he'd been at Hillary's blinds in the past, where he kind of brought up a full team there. So, I was really lucky in that sense. And then we had a guy come in who I called the Mbappe of, of tech. I still do to this day. He's, he's, I think he's 19 now. He would have been 18 at the time. And I've like, I've never seen anything like it for, for his age. Ridiculous. He was, Leo was a, such a brilliant guy. I'll, I'll put you, I'll put him in touch. Hopefully he'll come on. Yeah, sounds a good podcast. You'd, you'd love to have a chat with him. You would love, you would love to pick his brain on tech. He's like an encyclopedia. So he come in and, uh, and so we got to do a lot of pair programming. I learned a hell of a lot from him and it just went from there really. We developed a couple of apps um, that they had that was, it was quite wholesome stuff to be fair, what you were doing, you were creating stuff um, for like doctors and labs and um, generally things that were going to help people in the NHS. So it was, it was nice. It was a good stepping stone into React, doing what I'd like, I wanted to do. And towards the back end of it, it just felt like, 
I probably hit the ceiling in where I could grow in that company because of the size of it. I was looking for something a little bit, you know, like small to medium size. Like we're moving to Mission Labs. I had a chat with them probably about July um, and going, having a chat with them and realizing what they've got there compared to. And I just had an open chat with, with Bloom and said, look, this is the direction I want to go in. I want the exposure to more tech, kind of a bigger team little bit more pressure because there'd be times where bloom where you'd have quite a bit of downtime while the tickets were being redone or the, the work wasn't coming in or we'd finish the work and it was i suppose i'd realized that the growth in there was probably slowing down a little bit more so i was wanting to try and push myself a bit further and mission labs were great the induction's been great i've been there for i think two months now and i don't have one, one bad word to say about it to be fair apart from the drive maybe in the morning on a thursday <laughs> It's like it's like an hour drive, but apart from that, that's only one day a week. Apart from that, it's been brilliant. Yeah, I'm glad I work remote personally because most of the other devs I know here that I, I mean, to be fair, I'm walkable from Central Edinburgh, but I know a lot of devs that drive over to Glasgow <laughs> and like it's one of those ones where it's normally all right, but it's one of it's one of those motorways that like when it's bad, it is like you're you're not getting home till 11 p.m. Like that's how bad it yeah. gets, you know. Uh, one of those ones. <laughs> We're quite lucky in the sense at Mission Labs where you've got flexi time. So if I was in the office, I'd probably get there for nine. And then I'd probably leave at four, maybe do an hour, an hour and a half in the evening once I've got back. Because if mm. I set off at four, I can get back in an hour. If I set off at five, you're going to sit standstill in traffic for 20, 30 minutes just getting out the centre of Manchester. So it's um, they're quite flexible and they've been really good in, in pairing me up with um a guy that's had a similar route into tech than myself he's been there for like 14 18 months he's he's brilliant in in what he's been teaching and you can kind of see the progression that he will have gone through going from his boot camp into mission labs and where he's at now is is a very i would say a strong point to be able to teach as well in terms of what he teaches me on the repos some of the stuff that i that i might not have been using in in, in regards to like best practice in, in code and stuff so no, it has been good. I've not felt in the dark whatsoever, and the tickets have been relatively uh, fluid as well because we're just coming towards the end of a build at the moment, and I think they've pretty much got everything done, so it's just like bug tickets, that accessibility stuff that I've been working on at the minute, and just basic React stuff. So it's been really good, to be fair. I'm very happy in hindsight that I did make that kind of link because I, I, I didn't want to send out a load of CVs, go and do a load of tech into, you know, tech tests and stuff like that and fill my evenings, mm. getting stressed to try and move roles. But it, their interview process was fantastic. Like you did an in, I'd say in interview tech test. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it was like 40. Yeah, like a li live coding. Yeah, that's my favorite yeah, way of doing exactly, it as well. Yeah. Much prefer and that. It, it wasn't like, trick questions or anything either it was it was very simple react and typescript like we've created this app, mini applicator i don't know if i remember it what it was it's like a note-taking app i think you know like your generalized thing that you learn when you start with react yeah like, like the to-do list or... yeah, yeah putting stuff in state and just like typing things and with typescript and like i didn't ace it i'll be honest like i left that interview thinking right well I didn't expect TypeScript to come up and I was only relatively new to it as well. So I was like, ah, oh, kind of winged it. Um, luckily got a lot of the TypeScript stuff right. And then was kind of struggling a little bit with the basic fundamental <laughs> React knowledge, but enough to a point where it was like, right, okay, I've done this. I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. And then eventually it worked, but I've probably got like three, three out of the five things, the bugs that they, they had in. So I wasn't expecting to get an offer whatsoever. And then they gave me a call 
about two weeks later saying we'd like to um we'd like to take you on and i was just like i just wasn't expecting it do you know what i mean it was one of them where it's yeah. like i saw the in- i went into the interview quite confident and wasn't really nervous because i was like i'm seeing this interview more so as like a learning process because i didn't expect to actually come through with anything from it other than just the experience of what is a larger company like in an interview process because you will have done it yourself you put people through so many interviews and you get an idea for what they look like and they're all slightly different in their own way um but it was good they've got a good internal recruitment team that were very um direct with the conversations and kind of what they expected from me and and things kind of just slotted together to be fair Mm. see i bet i bet what it is where you say you didn't answer everything perfectly i reckon the reasoning is that they're looking to see how you think. And I think that's something really, really important that a lot of people listening who are trying to get their first job or even second job should keep in mind. Like they're not expecting you to ace it. Like that's not the purpose of a tech test at all. Cause no, most people, most humans are not gonna, um, are not gonna ace a tech test immediately, especially when it's live. You're gonna be nervous, there's gonna be other factors. Um, so what they wanna do is they wanna see your problem solving process. And one of the biggest things is talking through what you're working on. Um, I mean, for me, if I was in charge of all the world's technical recruitment process, I would suggest a 45 minute pairing um, technical task. But when I say pairing, I don't mean someone just watching you. I mean, someone actively coding along with you and you you each talk about how you're approaching the problem. And the best way to do that is to get someone in who you realistically would be pairing with someone who's probably like one rank above you rather than like five. And is what I really liked about what you said about being able to see someone who's on your track, but a little bit further, further ahead in their career. That's exactly where you want to be because you can see what everything's going to be like. And uh, it's a, it's a green flag. There's all this, um, ever since I started posting on TikTok, like uh, nearly two years ago now, uh, everything, everyone seems to frame everything in red flags and green flags. And a major green flag for a tech job is if you can see the exact kind of vertical path you could take um, and be able to speak with those people in, in the interview process. It's got to feel attainable, I guess. It's, it's kind of like, that's one of the things for me was self-belief. I saw my friend do it, who was maybe a few months ahead of me. Um, and it was like, can you do, what are the chances of doing this through a boot camp? How, like, what the probability that I will succeed or like you kind of I had to see for me it helped seeing other people doing it and being like right okay they've done it so there is a way to do it and then having I was obviously very grateful to have that recruitment knowledge of like you've just got to be relentless like I'm lucky I never had to be but I was prepared to be like right okay eventually I'll probably have to send out CVs everywhere just try and speak to different people it might not be they might because junior jobs for me i'd never had to place one when i was in recruitment so i didn't know but you did get an influx of junior cvs if you remember you put out a job ad you'd have to sift through like the juniors trying to get towards that ad and and stuff like that so i thought it would just be another number in in a system to be fair so i thought it'd be very hard but i, I was I don't like calling it luck, but it was that de- it is luck. Do you know what There's I mean? There's always like a factor of it, but you make your own luck. Yeah, and 100% you can, but I think sometimes you have to concede that like it was luck because the message that I got was like one or two in the morning, I think, from that from yeah. the one of the guys. So I was just like, "There's no way this is realistic." So at first, I had, I'd opened it and then not read it, and then it was just like when on the second scrolling through, I was like, "I'll just read it." 
So I read it and I thought it'd be a copy and paste and it wasn't. So it was just like being aware that sometimes a little bit of luck does come in. But again, like you say, you can create your own luck. And as long as you're competent with tech, it doesn't matter about age or anything like that. If you're competent and you have a skill set that somebody needs because it's a candidate short market, you will yeah. get the opportunity. Somebody will give you a chance to prove yourself. And like you say, you, you don't need to ace the tech test, don't need to be the best person as long as you, I think so the main pillars in tech is being able to conversate properly. Like you say, talk yourself, talk to yourself almost out loud during or to the other person you're paired with about your process in, in which you're going through the, the test or how you, um, how you understand tech or you might not, you might only have a generalistic view, but as long as you're showing like you have an interest in it as well, an interest to learn more about it, because I think a lot of the time they're seeing, right, okay, you might not know TypeScript, you might not not know much about JavaScript, but like, what can we build him into over a period of six to 12 months? And then the retention would be higher if, if they can offer you a good trajectory and things like that. So it works out for both ways. You're benefiting because the company's providing for you and they're benefiting because you're going to stay for longer and provide value for them as well. So it's a two-way street, really. Yeah, absolutely. And some, an analogy I, I like to use uh, around the um, making luck and um, getting yourself in the position uh, to 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 get that first job is I like to think of it like how the best strikers in world football they're not necessarily the best finishers. Obviously, they're great. They're great at shooting a football, right? But um, what they are actually the best at is getting in the exact right position uh, to score. So chances are they're getting in that position much more than someone who plays for. I don't know, Cheltenham Town, no offence to any any strikers of Cheltenham Town who may be listening, um, but like Mbappe is going to get in better positions. Um, so it, it, it's one of those it's one of those things that's worth thinking about and uh, apologies for the 20% American listeners. Um, I, I, I'd like to think of an American football analogy, but I can't. Um, so yeah, I think it's one of those things worth worth thinking about how you got to get yourself in, in the right position. And Something I was quite keen to ask you, and I actually forgot to put it in the show notes, so apologies. Both of us are former recruiters, and I'm sure we always think about the advantages um, that that brings us. But what's something you think that we potentially take for granted that we know about as former recruiters, that the average dev who's trying to break into the industry or, or, or get a new job, um, what do they not know about that we know about and just take for granted? It's a good question. I, th I think, again, going back to your positioning, it's, I like to think of it as getting your shot window intact. Like, there's many pillars to, okay, let's have him in for an interview. That's the kind of, you need to create the key to get that. So I think there's, it's, it's looking at the little things. So as, as little as you can go on mail.com and get a like let's say Josh Braley at engineer.com I've got I see I really one. like that when when we set up the podcast things. was it do you know what because I, I brought that up to you I remember bringing that up to you thinking how do you manage that it's exactly you're right a little thing to just grab the eye yeah it's a tiny thing like that and like having a portfolio website like my portfolio website was in hindsight really bad but it did the job at the time like in comparison to what I could do now but like at the time it, it was fit for for purpose and I, all that was was a, a Udemy course that I'd learned that helped me build with React, helped me learn a bit more CSS at the time. I got to use stuff like Frame Emotion that I'd thought of myself and then implemented it through that, different NPM packages, and just kind of like 
it was really a, a lot of it was just a copy job and then edit do you know what i mean and learn that way and it was like do that build up some github stuff and get that on there as well make sure and it, it, it sounds it sounds bad but a lot of it is perceived value whichever way you want to look at it like if i picked up a cv uh, a website or someone's github when i was in recruitment and they had we used to call it a lightsaber of green commits on um, on github like you'd be more inclined to be like okay this person knows what they're doing even though as a recruiter you had no idea whether someone yeah. was good at you didn't know it's just someone opening up issues because you get you get one if you yeah. just open up an issue <laughs> yeah literally literally and it's like the smallest commits and um so i was probably like some of my focus was on I, I would i'll start to get a bit nervous like oh, i haven't coded in the past four weeks the employer's gonna know that i haven't had a green dot and therefore they'll know i'm doing nothing and like i started to get too much into it that way but i do think that kind of thing helps as well even if i don't like to admit that i think it getting at least a little bit on there to show that you do do it and you are doing it outside of outside of you your normal job or even that's for someone wanting to make a step up or even if you've never done it before even more so because you've got to have evidence of what you've done and a lot of the projects that i was doing were via udemy or youtube videos for free and just kind of like implementing them and just toying around with it and seeing if i could actually break it and implement maybe newer tech because as you know if you follow a youtube video and it might be like even six months is a long time in tech and, yeah. and something's updated and you don't at the start you don't really understand that you need to update dependencies or something like that and like yeah. it kind of trips you up because you're like oh it doesn't work like why is everyone saying in the comments that it works <laughs> see see i learned i learned react when it was in the right in the middle of moving over to functional components and that was such a pain because every time you open up a youtube video you had no idea if it was going to be class or functional and i know both but i mean if you ask me to write a class component now absolutely not like there's oh, no i know <laughs> not off the top of my head anyway <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly the same. I was very lucky that when I broke into tech at the start of this year, pretty much everyone had switched over to um, hooks and, and functional components and functional programming and whatever. And it was just like, right. I had the, they were talking about, we were talking actually with the CTO, Micah, and he was saying, oh, some of it's class-based, but he didn't mean class-based React components. He was talking about, like, we use classes, blah, blah, blah. And I, I took it as, it's class-based and I took all of my bootcamp, all of my Udemy courses, everything on functional. So I was like, oh, the, pro the job's probably not for me then because I've, I'd be so far behind in terms of learning it. I didn't, I thought it was a huge thing to have to go back. And then I was thinking, do I want to go back and learn a legacy version? Like, but it, in the end, it was just miscommunication and it was all functioning programming, <laughs> functional programming and, and on the functional uh, React components on the inside. So I was just like, right, a lot of it is just, not thinking too much into it because if you look at a spec for a job some of them that you get sent now it's like you're not looking for a dev you're looking for a dev team and oh, it would yeah, really absolutely. put you off it would really put you off in applying for certain things and it's like they're probably internal recruiters or people that haven't had the proper technical chat or technical information at their disposal and then writing a load of things that they want collating it into a big long list and it's like, right, we need this. And they put a huge fishing net out. And hopefully they'll catch a few and, and interview a few and someone might stick. But the, I, I would generally, as long as you find the niche, what I find is I've tutored a couple of people now. I say tutored, it's more mentor, to be fair. You know, like when people say, oh, how did you do it? Yeah. Well, 
what would you advise like uni graduates and stuff and i'd say like pick your niche like for me i only picked react because I, that was the market that i was doing in recruitment and i knew it was quite good and i knew the community was was quite good in the sense that it was large and um opposed to like angular and view which is slightly smaller but in my own perspective back then had a slightly smaller learning curve so react i thought was quite a tough learning curve at the start but the community would have been really good to get involved with and the jobs seemed to be um popping up here and there and i just thought let's go for that so that was the niche that i chose so i chose that and then just the basics around it that you would usually get like you basic knowledge of JavaScript to try to pick up uh, TypeScript, stuff like Material UI for um, CSS and them kind of frameworks. And to try and mold myself into someone that can perceivably provide value, because I didn't think that I did at the time. I had mass amounts of uh, imposter syndrome thinking yeah. someone's not going to employ me. But that's one thing that I would give anyone listening advice on is pick your niche because at the start, you really want to nail down one tech and provide value there or a small subset of tech that complement one another, like a Mern stack or something like that, I think is beneficial rather than saying, right, I've got a CV and you've got a million things that you've done. You might have done like a, a course on Solidity and maybe some Java and then you're applying for a front end role and then you're applying for a back end role all with the same CV and it doesn't always work. You'll obviously get edge cases where it will but i think it's massively more beneficial to say i'm josh i do this and then eventually if you want to branch out into other tech in your spare time or your company uses more you will get exposed to that over time anyway and you'll get the opportunity to have a go full stack or in different directions but i think getting your first job again like you say is probably the hardest and to try and really niche yourself off attain that first job and then branch from there really and use it as a, a base point yeah, I totally agree. And the, the job market will get more and more niche and specialist, uh, especially with generic tools like, uh, you know, chat, uh, with, with GPT-3 and stuff. Uh, if that starts getting used more, then what's going to pay off is being good at your niche. And I think I'd recommend, like, I, I'm at a kind of point where I'm like, uh, I probably just passed the three-year mark of my career now and uh, in technology. And it's only now really that I'm actually looking at branching out and broadening my skill set a bit more um, and becoming a proper, like I'm technically a fully, flad, uh, fully fledged full stack developer uh, according to my contract, um, but I'm, I'm not really in practice. Uh, so now is the time where I'm looking at stuff like um, Python, uh, Docker in much more depth. Um, yeah. So, but I, I've really like nailed down React and made made React my kind of bread and butter um, for, for the time. And that's basically all I've been working on. Um, you know, since I even really tried to break into the industry, like I paid money to go on a React course uh, before I before I even got a job in tech. Like I realized that the market was there. And I think maybe answering my own question from earlier about what do we know that other people don't and may not even realize it. It's just the fact that like actually you should really strongly consider targeting your learning around the job market and what's available out there at a junior level. Uh, because, yeah. you know, if you were to go by the Stack Overflow survey, the most loved language is Rust, and like that's what people talk about all the time: Rust, Rust, Rust. Um, when the crypto market wasn't a complete shambles, everyone was talking about Solidity more, um, and you know people still talk about it a lot. Um, but again, how many actual junior opportunities are there out there to use Rust or Solidity 
versus <laughs> using something like JavaScript. Yeah, because yeah, like think, the niche yeah. is like um, some like Calyptus, uh, that Dan and Callum who, who run uh, Calyptus who are on here um, probably would have been three three months ago now, and their whole business model is that they teach experienced engineers to use stuff like Solidity because that is the best way to approach something like that. You should follow you should follow the money both at the start and and after your career, not in terms of like accumulating as much wealth as possible just looking at where the jobs are right yeah and i think if you so taking solidity for an example i think it's probably good to have a fundamental knowledge of programming prior to going into a language like that that's probably less forgiving than something like react or javascript when you're first learning or even python which is probably um i've only done a little bit but from my understanding is probably quite nicer for juniors i know it gets it's, it's the... nice but what i would say is if you're used to braces it's it yeah. can be horrendous like i i get annoyed with it frequently because of that like you have to have looking... the indentation exactly right yeah i was funny enough to say that i was watching um uh, lex friedman interviewing the fellow that created python oh uh Dutch talking Brian, about the indentation band something yeah yeah, yeah 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 and they were talking about the um the case for braces versus indentation and, and things like that. So I think having other tech on the radar and following it and is, is not always a bad thing, especially as you get to the world's like your, your mid point in your career or when you get midweight after a couple of years, three years, whatever. I think it's good to always keep an eye on the market because React won't be around for forever. And like there will be a new craze of like, okay, the community moves on to something that's shinier eventually. Um, so just like keeping up to up to date with it and when it becomes big enough like for example next like i wouldn't mind learning next just because it's basically to my understanding it's just like repackaged react with a nice yeah, shiny it's react, react plus plus it's react with yeah. some useful stuff and you get a back end included it's really good i'd recommend it and good good for like seo and things like that in comparison to what you get out the box with with react so just like even the little things like my I wouldn't mind the new portfolio to be able to put stuff on. Um, so I'm going to create that in next just to see what the benefits and drawbacks of it are. And if I like it and obviously not necessarily make the full switch because my job's still primarily react TypeScript and all that kind of thing, but it's just keeping an eye on, like you say, where the money is and kind of really honing in on some, uh, some other edge case skills. Cause I feel like if you do the same thing over and over, no matter how much you like it, eventually you will get bored of it. And it'll get mm. to a point where you're like, ah, that's why. Especially if you're not being it. challenged. Yeah, exactly. And I think it shows in, in tech that you've got like an average, um, like a dev, a front end dev for me, to my understanding, back in like 2019, 2020, the average time in a role was like 14 to 18 months, which wasn't necessarily frowned upon if you leave in that time either. Um, it was yeah. actually more so encouraged to, to leave, to go and get exposed to different tech. And I think I, don't necessarily see that as a bad thing either just exposing yourself to more people more tech more um, projects and, and things like that and getting involved so yeah i'm excited to see what the future of tech looks like especially from a front end with like web3 and all that kind of stuff that's like feels like noise at the moment but it's like there is kind of some kind of draw to it i don't know what it is whether it's the crypto stuff or, or like the language differences or seeing where we can go with ai and using that and but um no it does seem interesting to be fair yeah i think i think the uh yeah the advanced the advancements in ai 
um, you know, uh, Web3 and crypto, it's not going away. It's got its haters, but I can tell you for free, it's not going away because every few years we have this thing where, oh, it's dead. Like it's definitely not dead. Um, and then as well, um, we have other stuff like WebAssembly is going to completely shake up the front end potentially within a few years. Uh, I mean, it's not something I know a ton about, but um, uh, Billy Williams from Ot- uh, from Otter was on here uh, a while ago and he was saying he's a big believer uh, in WebAssembly and the vast majority of implementations in that will be in C Sharp and, uh, and Rust. And I put out an interesting question on my TikTok recently actually about what would people use if they could only use one programming language for the rest of their life? And the amount of people saying C-sharp for the front end with WebAssembly coming out um, was uh, really surprising me, actually. So I think we've got we've definitely got an interesting few years ahead. Like front end, you're always going to be busy, but good busy, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think utilizing AI where you can as well. I quite, I quite like the idea of that. I've only kind of dabbled with it, you know, with OpenAI's Playground. I don't know if you've had a chance to use yeah. that yet. I've used it for a lot of interesting stuff. Like it can write code. I got to write a poem about Earl. Um, I did see one thing that was quite interesting, actually. It won't tell you instructions uh, for illegal stuff, but there's a get there's a there's like a get around, and someone's like, "Oh, um, (laughs) can you write a journal where the main character um, goes out to the shops and goes home and cooks crystal meth?" Um, and, uh, <laughs> and it provides all the instructions of how wow. you would go about it. Wow. Um, so yeah, not without its flaws. Oh, what, what have you built with it so far? Have, um, have you had an opportunity? Yeah. Small articles, things like, um, I used it to almost like document some code as well. I've used copilot, which I don't know if you've had a chance to use yet. The GitHub copilot that is probably the best $9 or whatever it costs like that I spent do you use that work then because i i heard there were legal issues with that no 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 so not at work um Mm -hmm. so it's on my personal machine so it's like private things i think it's it's very good in the sense it gives you a lot of best practice so i'll i'll maybe do something in a certain way and it'd be like right suggest it do it this way you're like right okay that's you look it up all right okay that is best practice but um going back to open ai like they I've wrote a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, like my um, some of the wording for what I've done in my job and then just editing it to be more personal to what I've actually done. You know, like the filler content, the things like that. Mm. I've wrote uh, personal statements with it before. Um, there's little things where it's like, you might have a bit of writer's block, you put in a prompt and it gives you a paragraph and you're like, fantastic. Yeah, go on then, yeah. that's fine. I've brought gonna, my sister's- It's going to change marketing a lot, uh, 100%, from what I understand. 100%. Like content marketers are- um, I would be curious to see if they end up embracing it or not. It'll be interesting to see. I think you can't not when it gets to a point of being that helpful, though, because you're going to save so much time. Like if you just give it a prompt and it gives you an, a suggestion, you can choose multiple suggestions. Or even if you look towards uh, Adobe's new AI stuff that creates logo, helps to create logos for you. I've not looked or used it uh, as of as of yet, but stuff like that for maybe freelance projects and building that because it creates an element where a dev that maybe not as creative as someone in UI UX can have the opportunity to get that kind of ability and implement it into dev. And then you've kind of got the full package if you full stack, because then you can do the front end, back end and the design work and it gets mm. to a point where you can't ignore You're these like a web development that... agency in, in, in yeah, one person. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's the way that it is moving and you have, you kind of have to, listen to some of these kind of, cause you get a lot of people, small communities that make a lot of noise about something that may not 
may just die out slowly, but stuff like OpenAI and the Adobe thing and uh, GitHub Copilot, they've all, all that kind of stuff. I can't speak highly enough of like that's helped me so much with, with writing stuff, with coding in my own time, things like that. So yeah, I might have to give Copilot a try then. Uh, you're, you're selling it to me very well. I think for nine quid, it's got to be got to be worth a shot. I think shot. it's something uh, like that. Like, I don't address. know if it's gone kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's something I picked up about must have been about four months ago on my personal machine, and I was just like, it's fantastic. This you you, you need to look at it. <laughs> Put it that way. There, there's a lot of we talked quite a lot on this show recently about um. Uh, indie hacking and like clever little ways to make money with coding and the amount of stuff you can do with AI now to just leverage it, almost arbitrage it. Like uh, I don't know if you follow Peter Levels, but he's an amazing follow on Twitter. Um, and he basically built a really simple app that would use OpenAI's uh, or Stable Diffusion, I can't remember which one, the image generator basically for people's right, headshots. Okay, yeah. It's like a Fiverr. And this guy, he's he openly posts pictures where he's basically just coding in his pants on on a, on a sofa in Bali, and he's pulling in seven figures just from basically making these apps that just basically call these call these endpoints in these publicly available APIs. That yeah, you, obviously like he has to pay um, for for the number of calls or whatever. But the way it's structured, it's 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 uh, it's costed per call. So he's already knows he's making X amount of profit um, on each. Uh, on each API call. So it's, it's pretty incredible what you can do with these tools because I think what's important to understand and what I, I, I've i talked about quite a bit recently on, on the Discord um, is that the average person on the street really doesn't actually understand that much about how the internet works. So AI is a real opportunity for us devs to make a bit of cold, hard cash and uh, <laughs> and and see what kind of tools we can make by leveraging it. Yeah, uh- is Python involved with a lot of AI now? Am I right? Yeah, so from what I understand, Python is generally the de facto language for machine learning. And um, I think in terms of academics, which is obviously heavily uh, intertwined with, with machine learning, um, I think Python is basically the standard. Uh, I, I can't speak for absolutely everyone, and I would be keen to get an AI, an AI specialist on the show, actually. So if anyone is listening and, and is a machine learning engineer, then um, drop me a line. But yeah, I think Python is, is the de facto. I think if you go, fu- if it's further it's down, then it might be something there. more like C++. Yeah, I think stuff like, for example, with Tesla, you see how much data they get. And they're only getting better at self-automated driving and what AI can do for that and the safety implications that it may have for us and not just in uh, auto, auto travel. Like you'll have maybe AI trains, AI planes. We already have like pilots that basically just land and take off, don't we, nowadays, and the rest yeah. is done for them. But I think, especially in cars and stuff, I watched, uh, I don't know if you watch any Marquez Brownlee on YouTube. I do, uh, yeah, I like him. His videos are really yeah. good. He uh, showed a video recently, it's like two to three days ago, of the beta for self-driving um, car for, for the Tesla. And it was like the beta that he's got on, on the, um, I don't think it's publicly open. I'm not entirely sure, but it kind of shows it. The stage we're at at the moment is like he's babysitting the car and he kind of drives like an old person. It's really a bit kind of, it's good on highways and things, but as soon as you get into like having to turn left, turn right, busy, busy kind of um, interchanges and stuff, it's, 
it does look like you you probably would prefer to drive yourself <clears throat> but when it comes to like staying in lane on the motorways and things like that it's it's already fantastic so they're only their computer is well then whatever you call it the net of information they have is only just getting better and better and better as more miles get clocked on the car and i think that's another example of how ai can be used in a positive way but then there's the argument of the the other way where it can be used in warfare and all that kind of thing and it can be really detrimental and we kind of have to regulate it and things like that so yeah. you have to kind of look at the whole picture when it comes to it really and in general as well like ai is uh, ultimately only as good as the information you actually feed into it so you know if you feed it biased information then you can have quite a lot of problems. Like uh, it can end up being, particularly if it's dealing with people, that's when it can end up with serious issues and um, it can end up being discriminatory and uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, have to be so careful. The Coda Career Podcast is brought to you by the Zero to Mastery Academy. I don't take just any sponsorship. For me, it was important to know that people would get value out of a course. The reason why I've agreed to work with Zero to Mastery is because I actually use their React courses myself to get my first job in technology. They provide courses on a number of different disciplines and their founder, Andre, is someone who I highly respect. Check out the link in the description and use code FRIENDS10 to get 10% off any plan. Thanks for supporting the Coda Career. Now back to the show. But yeah, that's uh, that's taken us up to uh, uh, to the hour mark now, actually, Josh. So um, I think that's all that's all we got time for today. But I think there's there's a hundred percent of part two um, available here if you'd be interested in coming back on. But thanks so much for uh, for joining. It was a really interesting chat. And you, mate. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. And it's uh, <clears throat> it's good to to kind of trade thoughts when you've had a very similar journey into tech as well. So it'd be nice to see where you go in the future and stuff. So we'll keep in touch. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. And if people want to get in touch with you to maybe ask your opinion on stuff and uh, see what you're up to, what's the best way? Uh, just my name on LinkedIn, to be fair. I think that's probably the fastest way because you've always got it open or through the Discord. Um, in your Discord, I think I've got... Yeah, my... you're a fairly active member in there, aren't you? Yeah, I think if you just drop me a message on either one of them, I eventually I'll get around to replying and we can, if it's something that needs more context of don't mind jumping on a call and going through some some stuff cool sounds great well thanks again for um for joining me josh and uh, thanks as well to the listeners for checking out another episode of the code career every other monday on all good audio platforms um plus youtube uh you can find us don't forget to share as well uh, and do obviously jump in the discord me and josh both chatting on there quite a lot um i'm at cam blackwood on there uh, Josh, I think you're at Briz, I think, if I recall correctly. Um, you can yeah, find us yeah, both yeah. on the server. Cool, brilliant. Well, the links to that are in the description. And thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, everyone.